All right, everybody. Welcome. This is Albert Campo with Cantina MX Podcast. Once again, 235 episodes down. Starting another podcast on a Thursday night here with Jaime. How's it going, Jaime? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> What's up, everybody? <laughs> Who is that? Lencho? Uh, Are you Lencho, man? I, Lencho? I wanted to... Uh... That was my intro. What was that? What was that dude, man? Is that some uh, narco or whatever? He's uh, the biggest narco that people don't know about. He's the guy in the mountains controlling everything now. Ever since uh, Chapo got caught, and mm. uh, he somebody recorded him uh, with a conversation with like the army, and he was basically telling them to back down, and they did. Yeah, so, that dude was like I just thought it was scared. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, poor guy was like, uh, I heard the clip. He was talking to him, and the guy was like acting all scared and stuff. Sorry, sorry, whatever. Yes, sir. Okay, sir. But I just Shoot. imagine, imagine picking up the phone. Imagine picking up the phone, and it's that guy. Oh my god, it's like the worst. Well, imagine. Okay, I've I've known people who would pick up the phone. And it would be a, a narco trying to shake him down. So that happens. Like, you can know people that happen to that. And usually they, they just hang up. And he mentioned, he said, don't hang up, dude. But yeah, that's that's intense. That's scary. <laughs> yep. All right. So. I'm fine. Kill it. So what's uh what's on the what's on the agenda for today? We got a few topics here. We got some uh Liga MX uh league play to restart, but then not to restart and then Santos Laguna comes in, causes some uh drama and some conspiracy theory stuff. What's uh what's going on? Just when you thought, okay, we might we might get Liga Mekis back. Santo says, ah, not so fast. Eight of our players got the Rona. <laughs> yeah, and then the, and then the, uh, it was sort of ridiculous. Then the, what do you call it? Conspiracy theories. Like saying that Santos don't want to start. They're like, hey, it just happened to, ha- uh, to, to release the, uh, their cases. And at the time, League MX was starting to talk about restarting. Coincidentally, mm. uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't buy all that conspiracy stuff that Santos doesn't want to start and all this. Uh, well, it's interesting because everybody was giving La Chofi's shit for going to a party, and his girlfriend basically recorded him. And, uh, you know, it basically showed that he wasn't wearing a mask. Nobody was wearing a mask. Nobody was adhering to, like, the social distancing. And he got a lot of shit this week for, for doing that. And then Jonathan Orozco, who is a, you know, goalkeeper for Santos, celebrated his birthday. And it was the same thing, you know. It was like nobody was really adhering to the rules. Everybody was having fun. Like, it's like a normal day. And, you know, obviously, with the news of Santos having eight of their players 
exposed and caught with the Rona, it, it makes you wonder, hey, like, have you guys been responsible? Like, have you guys been actually, like, getting a hold of your players? Because it seems like they basically told everybody to to work from home and instead they're just partying time. Yeah, so lack of education. I got the picture of uh, <laughs> Horosko out there with, like, a a band at the party and his birthday party. He had a fun old time. But yeah, that's just the way like players are, are going to do, man. Some players are going to do that stuff. And, and who knows if that was the cause and all that. I think there were some other instances of other players also. Uh, Bet. But yeah, so eight of them. And I think 22 tests came back so far. And they're waiting for more tests to come. Uh, so yeah, that's, you know, that probably puts into doubt the... Uh, I mean... With Chivas, they've been very, very transparent uh, about what they've been doing. Like, they have a bunch of videos and photos of everybody getting tested as soon as they, they get into the, the, the facility. And, um, you know, it, it just looks like they've been super thorough. And there was even a proposition about hosting the games in Guadalajara between Estadio Jalisco and Estadio Akron and just have it in one remote area because I think Guadalajara has been one of the cities that have had the least amount of cases. So they were saying like, oh, you know, instead of everybody traveling everywhere, let's finish up the season and and we can do all the games here. Yeah. But obviously with this new news, it sounds like the season is going to be canceled. Yeah, so sort of like we uh, we said last time, like I'm down to scrap it, scrap the league, start over in Apertura. Uh, the Femenil League has has already been canceled. They already announced it. So the men should follow suit. Yeah, so they're they're ahead of the ahead of the curve and uh Cruz Azul fans everywhere are gonna be like we almost had you <laughs> that's uh yeah that's sort of just like the movie that's sort of laughable like okay they're in first place with however many and there's plenty of time for them to fail like even if they were in first place okay say they were in Liguilla and this start and this came and like put a pause to the season they could have been in like quartos and like semi semifinals, and I would have been like, I don't. There's no guarantee. They could have been in the <laughs> final. They could have been all the way to the final, <laughs> and I would still be like, they're gonna lose. <laughs> they're gonna lose. Like you're not. You're not winning no trophy, dude. They could be in the final against like Veracruz, and I would still give Veracruz the money, bro. I'd be like, you know what? They'll find a way to win. Yeah, dude. they'll find a way. Well, well, actually, let me let me uh, backtrack. Cruz Azul will find a way to fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, Cruz Azul. Uh, they definitely. need to put that word in the dictionary. Cruz Azul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's... I, was I don't know if up. you know this, but uh, in Spain, they're trying to uh, make remontada like uh, 
in the dictionary. They're trying to put in the dictionary after Barcelona lost against uh, Liverpool last year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Remontada. So if they if they do that with, with Spain, they should do that with Cruz Azul. Be funny. Yeah, there you go. Cruz Azulier. It's a legit word. So yeah, that's there are hopes for any type of soccer. We got Bundesliga. And I don't like I want to see details. I want to see transparency on what exactly they're doing. Uh you brought up a link to the Costa Rica the Costa Rican Costa- League. Costa Rica is the first league in the CONCACAF region to restart their season. And uh behind closed doors. Yeah. They're doing closed doors. They're making the players put on their uniforms at home. They're not letting people carpool. Uh, what else are they doing? This is ridiculous stuff, though. Like, check this out. Okay, carpooling. If they go on a bus, they have to travel the same day as the game, I think. And uh, when they go on the bus, only one person per row on the team. So they're separating themselves from the uh, from the bus. What else? Let me see what they have. Yeah, are making sure that everybody has their own labeled water bottle. Yeah, they're not allowed to greet each other. They're not allowed to spit. They're not allowed to celebrate goals in a group. <laughs> uh, no one over the age of 60 is allowed to be at the game. They're not even letting like reporters, photographers in the, in the stadium. Yeah. They're very minimal. Like they're cutting down even the, the amount of staff coaching, uh, people even coaching. Some of these things are good. Like coaches over uh, 60, they're trying to keep out. Um, but like separating the players, that's some of this stuff is sort of dumb because when they get on this, when they get on the, uh, on the court or on the, on the court, they get on, when they get in the field, they're not, they're going to be bumping into each other, right. you know, yeah. doing all kinds of stuff. So it's just useless. They have to do, all, yeah. it doesn't say anything about test. I think, okay, there won't be mass testing of the players um, because the government doesn't say that should happen or doesn't say it has to happen. Uh, that's where it's got to be. Like you have to test every single person that's getting yeah. involved in this. And once they're all good, then, uh, then they're playing like, like Mexico's doing. So if somebody like, I wouldn't doubt with this whole coronavirus thing, like if they don't do good testing, one player could possibly get it and spread it to some other people. And, you know, they could keep on playing, you know, they might have the sniffles while they play a game and then they'll get over it. I could see that very much happening. You know, these are young, tough guys, you know, they're, they're athletes. Yeah. They're healthy. Yeah. So, so they could, they could be playing like with like the flu game, man, like plenty, like the COVID oh, yeah. game, the COVID-19 game, multiple COVID-19 games, game. like the whole team could be COVID-19 games and that, you know, they're sort of like fatigued a little bit. They lose the game and stuff, but then the next week they're, you know, they're good to go. <laughs> And nobody knows anything about it because they're not testing. But once they test, then this stuff is like, oh, eight players from Santos gets uh, has COVID nineteen. We got to stop all. We got to stop everything. Man, that's crazy though. Yeah. And you know the 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 president is being a little bit arrogant of Costa Rica because yo, 
it's a it's a population of five million. Okay, that's like that's a that's a town in California. Five million, like like it's 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 uh it's such a small country, and it's a very small league. There's only twelve teams in the league, so it's no surprise that a that this league is restarted because they're they're such a small group, and it's a, and I guess they're letting the top four teams to the playoffs. And if the first place finisher doesn't win the playoff, they're still they still get an extra incentive for the regular se- season performance. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's nice that Costa Rica is is back and and kicking it. But who's watching that league? I was watching uh, some of the highlights of the Bundesliga and called it last week. You know, keep your eye on Holland. He was the first player to score, and uh, that kid has just. You know, he picked up where he left off. But it was really funny because there was like a photo that went viral and it was a photo of the bench and it was all these players and they were like six feet apart. But Mm -hmm. then the next photo is like a corner kick and all the players are like hugging each other. And, you know, (laughs) it's like, I don't know, man. I feel like it's kind of like hypocritical or controversial or, or like a hyperbole. It's like we can go to a grocery store and and you know basically be in the thick of it but when it comes to like organized sports and you know these athletes that are like you mentioned like incredible shape and healthy like they're not allowed to play on i think it's like yo just let these guys play like they'll they'll be fine they should be considered uh like okay so they should be considered a household like the the regulations or the the things that we hear here is okay if you live in the same house like your spouse you don't have to you're you're together the team needs to be together the yeah. whole the whole 6 feet apart on the bench is just for appearances it's just for like to show okay look we 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 need to do separation but they're in a team they 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 are going to be playing very close to each other they're going to probably be touching each other on the field uh the the, the opposing team definitely it's a game of physical contact. So there is no separation. The whole league should be like a whole household and everyone should be tested. And then once that's, once you're clear, you can, you're together, you can be together. I guess the UFC sort of did it also. They had separate rooms for, you know, for fighters to work out and stuff where before they would like share rooms. Um, but, but they're all together, man. It's, they're all going to like have physical contact with each other, you know, during the game at some point. So, all of the separation doesn't make any if sense. If anything, it's safer for them to just be like in a concentration camp, you know? Yeah, kind of exactly. like when, like when Mexico. I remember when Mexico. Uh, what did they do? Like sixty days before the World Cup, they just pulled all the players like way prematurely, and they were just in a concentration camp. Like they should just do that with all the teams, you know? They're yeah. gonna be able to control all uh, control everything a lot easier. And you won't have situations like what happened with La Chofis or what happened with Jonathan Orozco where they're just, you know, not following the rules and partying. You know, they're much... They wouldn't have been in these situations if they would have just, you know, had their own concentration camps for each club and then they can just finish off the season or whatever. Do something. Yeah, that's. I agree. Like, they should be totally isolated, yeah. totally... And that, that would keep things safe. Um, I was telling you guys on the yeah, chat that uh, well, my wife and daughter 
were at, and people don't even know. This is like an example. My wife and daughter were at Ross, and everyone was told to be six feet apart, and they told them to be six feet apart, even though they're in the same family. So people don't even know why they're saying, uh, you know, why they have these policies in the first place. They're not using common sense. And then we we know here about, you know, that first people were saying masks don't work, and then all of a sudden masks do work, and then all this stuff. And and people don't know what, what's going on. So these guys, you know, need to use some common sense. But the six feet apart on the bench, that's just for appearances. A lot of this stuff is just for appearances. Uh, I like how Costa Rica, though, they say through they're a country of education, a country of... Uh, uh, good health care and a lot of stuff that you know they're you know they're trying to boast their uh and that's the same thing that uh that germany did with bundesliga they're boasting their their processes and one thing they said that they shut down the borders like immediately they shut down they closed down the whole country and that's one way to do it i guess because it's a small country like costa rica yeah. you know it's not a it's not a hot spot to go travel to like new york city is and things like that there's some nice places in Costa Rica, though. There's probably some cool vacation spots. Um, a lot of Americans like going to Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, so they shut those dudes down. Like, we don't want no American bringing in that stuff. So that that's probably like something that helped them out because their numbers it's are really funny. small. I, <laughs> I actually got a friend who was traveling in Argentina when this all went down, and he got kicked out of his Airbnb, and he's still stuck in Argentina. Like, he was basically living on the streets for like a week until he found someone that was oh, willing shoot. to like yeah because <laughs> they literally like in argentina they weren't messing around man they're like anyone that's not from this country is like needs to like, get out and like if you're in like an airbnb or hotel like we're not gonna like you're gonna have to like leave immediately so yeah he's still out there in, in argentina man like other countries are taking this like way more serious wait but he's and, uh, he's from the u.s yeah, he's from the States. <laughs> okay. He's See, still over there. <laughs> that don't make sense either, though, man. Like, okay, so you don't want inbound. You don't want inbound traffic. Outbound, that's good, man. Get out of here. So unless the United States is, and this is what's happened in a lot of South America, like say Argentina or say Costa Rica closes down their borders. If you're a Costa Rican in Argentina, you're not getting back to Costa Rica <laughs> because they're cl closing down their stuff. But like an American, yeah, or like if you're in Brazil and you want to go back to Mexico and Mexico's blocking stuff off, then you're not going back to Mexico or you want to go back, you know, it just depends on who's who's closing down stuff. But if people are closing down outbound stuff, I don't get that at all. Like if you're, if you're well, yeah, I mean, if you're outbound, you know, get out. If you have it, you know, get out. You're not infecting anyone else here. That's good for the country, but yeah, there's, there's some... I know a lot of people in all places in uh, South America, particularly from Mexico, and coming back to Mexico was not the quickest. It's sort of like what you're talking about with your friend. They were stuck in Brazil, Argentina, and uh, Peru, several countries for quite a while. They're, they're basically closed. I mean, they're not doing flights. Like, my parents just got back to the States almost two weeks ago, and it wasn't easy. Like, the airport... Like, they kept canceling their flights because there wasn't enough travelers that... So, it, it took... It was it was very difficult for them to come back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting... In the Bundesliga, they... Uh, 
disclose the views, like how many people actually tuned in, and they were not impressive, uh, at least in, on Fox, because the games were mainly on Fox. They were getting two, maybe 300,000 view, uh, uh, views. And, um, I mean, it's not competing with anything else. So, kind of yeah. disappointing. Liga Mekis gets about a million views uh, every every weekend. And that's just like one game. Yeah. So, um, I think they just did a terrible job. Like I, I didn't see any advertisement or for for Bundesliga returning. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't. I, didn't I mean, I didn't watch it stuff, but uh. Yeah, I didn't watch it. The interesting factor, though, is uh, through the end, uh, they actually showed a few Bundesliga games, and the you know Univision like had a lot, a lot larger reception. They got. Uh, I think like five hundred thousand views. So, hmm. goes to show that like, we're like the the majority is 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 the the Latin Latin X crowd. You know, <laughs> hungry for football. Latinx, the Latinx crowd really. You know, that's what Latinx. We've, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we've been that's what we've been talking about for a while, man. I wish Joel was on. I'd like, uh, and it'd be another. Uh, moment to prove me myself right and then and to the end is in spanish right so if you're watching to the end you speak spanish uh whereas a pocho yeah. who doesn't speak spanish is most likely you know sitting there watching black mirror or something on netflix um so yeah the yeah. spanish the spanish-speaking mexican or latinx guy <laughs> would be watching to the end and be what watching like uh bundesliga or whatever the American, not so much, and small majority yeah. of Americans, uh, English-speaking dude, who played soccer in high school or some traveling team, pay to play or whatever. That guy might be watching it, but yeah, it's not the that's not the driving force. I think so, another another thing that goes into this is uh, you have to pay to watch this stuff, and um. Unimas is a cable is a is a channel that you can get over the air with an antenna, and I think they did show one game on on Unimas. So I maybe that also has to factor into like the total amount of views. Um, you know, not not having to pay to to watch these these games, and that's one of the reasons why I was actually excited when Univision got the Champions League rights because I mean you were watching like half of those games just over the air for free which is kind of awesome. But it'll be interesting to see what happens because ESPN Plus, starting in 2021, is going to take over the Bundesliga uh, television rights. And it'll probably those numbers will probably get worse because ESPN Plus has not been performing well. Yeah, I got, I got ESPN Plus just, cause, just for UFC. Exactly. But yeah, it's not... Yeah. A- and that was a possible destination for Chivas because Chivas still don't have a, a TV contract in the in the states, and they really don't know who's going to pick them up yet. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. Chivas needs a home. 
So yeah. as, as far as uh, so yeah, like so the Corona dominating things, uh, Saprisa or uh, Costa Rica is back in it. Liga MX, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, Santos sort of ruining things. E Liga MX, no one cares. Uh, what else? Is- hey, it's funny because Chivas are actually doing really good in the E Liga. Uh, Beltran has been ever since like that first game that he got like destroyed. Like he came back and he's he's been on a hot streak, but nobody's watching this shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did see an interesting story about Sevilla trying to expand into Mexico the same way Atletico. Madrid did with uh, Atlético San Luis. They're interested in in acquiring Veracruz. Your thoughts? I love me some Veracruz, man. They need they need to be back in it. Um, this would be a this would be a uh, an article to discuss with Joel since he brought up that they want some of that U.S. MLS market that Liga MX is getting itself into. They want that money. So Spain, are they really that informed on the whole United States-Mexico alliance that they're going to be like, hey man, MLS is booming in the United States. Mexico, the Mexicans in, in the United States are hungry for their culture that they left behind. They want to watch some Liga MX play MLS. It's going to explode in the in the U.S. And so I want some of that. I want some of that money. That's what Howell's point of view would be, and I don't know if that's true. It might be true. I think, obviously, Mexico has a long relationship with Spain. We were, you know, colony of theirs for a long time. And there have been more and more players that are playing in, in La Liga from Mexico. I think there are more teams starting to to realize that there's a lot of talent in Mexico, you know, Linus going to Betis. And they're realizing that, you know, instead of paying the amount of money that they're paying for these Mexican players, they can just form like an alliance and, you know, maybe loan these players out to Spain and uh, get them at a fraction of the price and also help Mexico export more talent to, to Europe. I think it's a smart thing. I think Spain are starting to realize that there definitely is a huge, huge return on your investment when buying Mexican players because of the following. I mean, look at Wolves. Wolves, they're, they're following on Twitter, they're following on social media is ridiculous compared to how it used to be just because of one player. And a lot of smart clubs in Europe are starting to realize the, the marketing power behind Mexicans. We just have a huge following, man. I mean, Leverkusen is still all on our nuts. Like they still <laughs> on Twitter, they'll still post highlights of Chicharito, you know, just because they, they still have, uh, you know, people that follow them because of, of Javier Hernandez. So they know that there's a market out there. They're just not willing to pay the 10, 15 million euros uh, that these these players are, are costing them, so they're just trying to they're trying to like you know plant seeds and 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 bear our fruit before that happens, I guess. 
Yeah, I'm reading the article. This guy says he's really ambitious. So that that's a telling sign for, for the owner here. Um, he has a club or academies, I'm sorry, in New York, New Jersey, and Miami. So he's looking at, I guess he's looking at the U.S. and these particular like South American, Central American, Mexican strongholds in, uh, I guess not so much Mexican, but still there's lots of Mexicans in New York and New Jersey and then Miami as well. But that's the Central South American locations. And so, yeah, I guess they're they're looking for, you know, he is definitely ambitious. So if he gets something in Mexico, that could be uh, that could be interesting. Like you're saying, getting some players, getting some good level of uh, Mexican talent. But I think the more so the uh, the fandom man, fans are like super fanatics of for uh, especially the stars, like you said, Chicharito going to Leverkusen. I say there was a there was a team in the second division that had ties with Mexico with Pachuca. I, I could be wrong though. In the Spanish the second division, yeah. Mm. I don't know if they're in the. I remember there was a team because uh, there you know it's not just. Uh, it's not just Atleti. There, there's another team that that started to do it too. So I don't know, man. I I just think it's pretty cool. Uh, there definitely needs to be more more Mexican players in Europe, and I'm not against getting some foreign investors to to help that happen. Yeah. That... I think with a lot of things, when you talk about ambition, I think I think f- primarily in money. They want money. So they want the Mexican fanboys over here. Like we see it on Twitter. We see it amongst our peers here on Twitter. They want to buy those jerseys, man. They want to buy the Raul Jimenez jersey for whatever club he's at. They want to buy, like if Chucky Lozano goes, they're going to go buy that jersey. And that's going to be money in their pockets and all kinds of stuff. That's what they... the promotion of their like Sevilla. Imagine if Sevilla just becomes a huge league for Mexican, a huge uh, team for Mexicans, like all these Mexicans want to watch Sevilla. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they got a, a little spurt just in the, what, six months that Chicharito was there. They, they probably noticed a huge, huge amount of, I guess, uh, a spike in, in views and followers and all that stuff and their social media presence. Cause I mean, I know Betty's man. I love Betty's cause they just ran with it, bro. Like they're, <laughs> you know, they, they, they even upload like Mexican memes when they, when they announce like the lineups and stuff <laughs> like, like Betty's is all about it, bro. I need to follow them. I'm both, probably not following them. And both, both of those, both of those clubs are from Sevilla, obviously. So, they're just they're just catching on. They're they're starting to realize that, uh, and it would be nice to see uh, a club like Veracruz, you know, come back to life. I think they've already announced that they're going to be joining that independent league in the second division. Like they're they're trying to you know 
there's like six six clubs already that have joined that independent second division league in, in Mexico. Oh yeah, the Club Veracruzano de Fútbol Tiburón. Uh, yeah, Liga de Balompié Mexicano. <laughs> it's starting yeah. in September. I didn't even know about that. That's that, that'll be interesting. Let's see what's going on with those dudes. Like two two leagues in in Mexico. Okay. We'll see what's up with that. It's going to be like uh, back in the day when they did AFL versus NFL. They just started their own their own league. Yeah, let's go for it. Like the more the more competition and the more opportunities players get to play. Like like Joel and them would talk about uh, MLS being you know if you're not starting in a league MX team as a Mexican because some foreigner or whatever, then your chances in, in MLS, that's where you got to go and highlight your skills and give opportunities to young Mexican in MLS. And so this league is great, man. This will, this will give opportunities to other young Mexicans to join this league and, and spotlight their talent and maybe, you know, get onto the national team unless it's like full of foreigners as well. We see the second division, the Ascenso is full of foreigners sometimes. Ooh. It just it's full of players that were on those under seventeen, under twenty Mexican national teams. Yeah. And just, you know, maybe got debuted in the first division just to get their minutes to, you know, adhere to like the what was it what was that one rule? The where they had to, where each club had to have a certain amount of players under twenty. It was like a rule that they had. It's like, oh, if every club has to hit a certain amount of minutes. Yeah, that for was the for pl- 10, 20 or some, uh, some rule. 20, the 20 rule. 10, so 20. I, I think like a lot of those players were just discarded after, you know, they hit their quota and started to struggle staying on the on the first team. And then they, you know, either, they either go, you see a lot of these players have the same type of car- uh, career path. Like they go to like Costa Rica or Honduras or something. Or they just end up playing in the second division in Mexico. Yeah, it's crazy, man. We got players playing in like, uh, like Ulises Davila. He's playing in New Zealand. <laughs> One of the top goal scorers of the uh, Australian league. I don't. I think in New Zealand they're they're back to normal. They're like they're they're everyone everything's back to normal. Like all the schools are back. So, we might see uh, a a Mexican abroad play soon. Yeah, that will, that will excite some people. We got any uh, any YouTubers on the on the comments? Yeah, we got Luis. He says, uh, "Saludos." If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to see, does it make a sound? If a good Euro club has no fans, is it even a good Euro club? <laughs> uh, mm. Like Sevilla, man. It, this isn't the days of like. Remember, when Torrado played with Sevilla. Like, he, he, there was some, there was some following. Like I followed. We're, I was like, it was similar to like Mexicans abroad. I think back in the day, there was this Azteca. There's this website called Aztecas. 
embajadores aztecas or something like that. And they would do all the following Mexicans abroad and stuff. And uh, that was when Torrado was back there playing in Sevilla. And uh, But the following is not the same as it was as it is now, man. Back then, it was, like, sort of weak. Now, the following is just huge, man. If someone goes, like, Raul or Chicharito, whoever's in, in, in Europe playing for whatever team, people are following and watching that team, man. People want to know what's going on with that team. So. Funny that you mentioned uh, that uh, Guerreros Aztecas. Embajadores Aztecas, I think it was called. Because uh, <laughs> there's a YouTube channel I follow, and they're called Guerreros Aztecas, and it's, uh, I think the main guy, his name is either something. He, he's in, he's he's from Spain, but every week he always updates everybody on you know all the players and stuff that are that are abroad, and uh, he he was. He was in Napoli when Chucky was there. He like interviewed Chucky and stuff. He's been doing it for a long. But uh, he's he's based out of Spain. But I mean, Sevilla are they're a big club now. I mean, if you were to like, you know, they're they're a huge club. Like they they've won the Europa League a few times. They they definitely have a lot of respect in Europe. Uh, compared to like other other teams in Spain, um, it's a great club. I mean, it's a great club to to play for, and uh, I was really disappointed that Chicharito really just fell out of favor, or just never really fit in. Like he scored a goal from a free kick, and and that was that, man. <laughs> yeah, this this website's still here, man. Oh wait, this is. Embajadoresaztecas.org. This is like, what is this? Women's League or something? Oh, Embajadoras. Okay. So they have like the women that are playing all over the place. Republica Checa, España. Uh, let's see, España. Yeah, Charlene Corral. They have her. Um, let's see what they have like in America for. Yeah, they have a list of every single player and where they're playing at. So, like, name a country, man. Uh, Republica Dominicana. Albert Benaigas. <laughs> Some guy. He's out there. Uh, Nicaragua. Eder Mondragon. Playing What's in Nicaragua. Em Embajadoresaztecas.org. This is like, this website sort of like, it's an HTML, man. This is like some old school website. I don't even know if it's being kept up. Like, I got to see what, this was the one from back in the day, but they have, oh wait, MLS. Yeah, it is being kept up because it has Carlo, Carlos Vela in Estados Unidos, MLS. Man, there's a ton of, Brandon Vasquez, Rick, Richard Sanchez, Hector Jimenez, Victor Ulloa, all these people playing in MLS. NASL, Jaime, Jaime Chavez, USL, Uriel Macias. All these players, man. These dudes keep track of everything. Virgin I Islands. That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, these guys were like back in the day. I think in big soccer, they they had a they were on there, and they would always. This would be like the go to place for for seeing like 
uh, uh, Mexicans abroad. And then let's see Europe. Oh, the Europe list is huge also because they go into like third division, juveniles, cadete, infantil. What is this, man? Anibal Surdo Macaron. Infantil. infantil. Yeah, there was a ton of players playing in uh, Spain right now. Sehu Chapas. Remember that guy? He played for Pumas, right? I don't remember. Sehu Chapas, yeah. He played for Pumas. Yeah, oh. dude, they're all playing for Salamanca. <laughs> they're like a team in like the second or third division of Spain. Oh, shoot. Let's see what else. What else? I'm telling you, bro, they all had the same freaking, uh, the same career path, bro. All these players that, uh, all these players that, uh, played for the youth. Cristian Alvarez, Chato Enrique, Chap, uh, Enriquez. You know, this guy got a gold, gold medal in, in, uh, in the Olympics. There's like four or five players playing for for Salamanca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this website's hilarious. Mm. Yeah, they got some latest stuff. They got some 2020, a mm. little bit of 2020 action going on here. I was uh, I was on Twitter the other day and got into this conversation with, with some people that I just feel they just aren't very savvy when it comes to like, uh, like Mexican football and stuff. Because this guy was saying, "Oh, you know, we got to worry about the U.S. They got way more players playing in Europe, and and watch out for Canada because they got players that are playing in Europe. And I can see these players like you know playing for a top club in Mexico. They're they're going backwards and yada yada yada. And I'm just like, yo, man, like I don't really pay attention to like our rivals. I feel like there's a there's a lot of group of people that always keep tabs on what the men's national team is doing in the U.S. and and dude, who cares, man? Like, oh, Pulisic and is better than in Chucky, and Chucky needs to watch out. It's like when it comes to like the actual <laughs> games, and it's like, yo, we've been on top for so long, and that's not gonna change, man. Like th- these games are always gonna be competitive, and and yeah, I do want more players in Europe. But it's so much easier for an American to get a, a work permit in England, for example. A lot of these players that are playing for the national team are, you know, they have parents that are, like, from Germany or, you know, they're from all these, they have European ties. And it's just, like, and even then, it's, like, when it goes, like, at the end of the day, when we actually play against, America, play against, like, Canada, like, these games aren't even close, man. So I don't even know why they're tripping. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's like an old school mentality, man. That mentality was from like 2002 and stuff. Luis is like laughing over here saying, when you mentioned Canada on the chat, he's like, Canada? What the? But yeah, cause, okay, so Canada, man, that that's like insignificant country in, in the world of soccer. Like you might have one or two players like pop up like, oh, they're really good. But like the whole team, man, they're they're nothing. So the United States is in sort of the same spot. Like I feel like the United States needs to go back in time to where they have uh, Bruce Arena's attitude or or gameplay, where they're bunkering 
and they're all like in a tight unit controlling the defense and they hit the counter like on you. Like that was Mexico's kryptonite, man. They would frustrate them. They'd hit the counter on them late. You know, they'd play horrible. Like Mexico would be doing tiki-taka on them all day. And then and the, like 10 minutes left, they'll hit the counter on Mexico thinking that, you know, they're pushing all their lines forward, Mexico is. And then all of a sudden, you know, what's it, what's his name? Just like, or the U.S. counters with speed and, and, and beats them. That's the only way U.S. is going to do anything. Yeah. They're not gonna. They're not gonna have a whole ton of talented, ball skilled, you know, on you know, ball at the feet skilled type of players to compete with like a Mexico, and and the depth of Mexico. So that's that's just like ridiculous, man. And I mean, I'll, I'll admit though, I'll admit, I, I could say right now, I'll, and I don't care about saying Pulisic is probably better than Chucky. <laughs> Chucky's sort of like one dimension, sort of like one or two dimensional. Pulisic sort of has like the whole the whole type of package, man. Uh, Chucky's got speed. That's you know shut down his speed. Pulisic's got good ball control, good movement, good vision. Um, so that argument, but that's not going to mean anything. Pulisic's just one dude. What's he going to do? The craziest thing, though, and kind of just to give people perspective, Pulisic is probably the most talented player on the men's national team right now, and. And that's not the case for Chucky Lozano. He's not our best player. It's probably like yeah. maybe like third or fourth. But I mean, Raul Jimenez is you know he's he's one of the best players on the team right now. You have uh, you know, Dorreira, incredible midfielder. I mean, we have so many other players. Before we put you know, Chucky's not our number one player, and well, it's, you know, I think it's just uh, it's just the reality of it. Yeah, with with Chicharito going to MLS, you know, Chucky might have like more of a solidification in yeah. the lineup. But uh, but yeah, I remember like uh, what would it be? Ch- uh, Chicharito in the middle, they had Raul maybe on one of the wings, and then Tecatito yeah, no. on the other, and then and then Tecatito. Chucky would yeah Tecatito, mm-hmm. and then Chucky would be on the bench. But with uh, with yeah. Chicharito sort of being on the you know <laughs> in the MLS, maybe Raul goes back to the middle, and then and then Chucky and Tecatito are are on the wings. Uh, funny comment yeah. here. <laughs> funny comment from Luis. And I didn't know this. This is interesting, though. He says Michael Jordan's documentary generated as many TV ratings as an entire MLS season. And uh, and he says NBA isn't even their you top can, sport. You could probably say that about a lot of stuff. I mean, that documentary, you know, you could, it, it probably tops out a lot of stuff. Yeah, so like MLS, man, if you're going to talk MLS and... You know, I like mean, the MLS crying. is like, I'm I'm pretty sure there's poker and bowling gets more views than MLS. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not much of a of a number to to beat. You know, if you're gonna raise the uh, bar. Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> uh, you take away well, you take away like uh, okay, so MLS has to be on through the end, dude. So you take away like. Like you put a wall or whatever, like hundreds of years ago, where no Mexicans are in the United States, there is no through the it. There is no MLS viewership, man. If there wasn't for like Mexicans or, or Hispanic people that have like sort of some football in their background, um, they're not going to be watching no soccer. They're not going to be watching no MLS. Like the gringo gringo who watches MLS, that's like 
that's like small numbers compared to like a Mexican or a Pocho watching MLS because, you know, it's soccer and they, they, they heard about America or Chivas or whatever growing up. I was actually watching uh, a documentary on uh, soccer here in the Bay Area and how the earthquakes got established in 1974 and it was a bunch of immigrants you know uh, the the guy that owned the earthquakes or started the business was from yugoslavia yeah. and he was just he was he couldn't believe that there was no soccer here no football so i mean if you look at that team it was all immigrants you know what i mean and uh that's basically how it started here so it's like americans weren't the ones to initiate this it was it was all immigrants who loved the sport because i mean at, in 1974 ball was already almost 100 years old in like england you know what i mean so it's like it's such an old sport and it's such a huge sport in europe that it's like you know eventually made its way over here but it's still to this day nothing has changed it's still the immigrants that make like generate the numbers for for this sport and it's evident with the games being on spanish broadcast it's, it's all the immigrants that are watching this stuff. It's not Americans. Americans aren't watching this. They might there might be like a hand, you know a pocket of them, but it's not the majority. So it's just interesting, you know. That's why you're seeing more Mexican players cross the pond, and you know, they're playing here in the MLS, and they still feel like they're at home in a way. Yeah, I remember. I mean, things have changed. Like I'll go to a bar like when Champions League is on, and there will be uh, there will be you know, like your your typical like IT white dude watching it, and he'll be like saying, "Oh yeah, look at that! That's you know, that's the EPL team or whatever." And he'll be like all interested in stuff, might have played in high school or whatever. Um, so there is like it's sort of like a change. Like I wish I need to like talk to some younger kids, but when I was going through high school, the whole thing like okay, this this is probably a bad example, but in the place where I grew up in Florida was sort of like a hick town. So our soccer coach was actually the football coach. He knew zero about soccer. There was this guy who happened to be from, uh, I think his, I think he might have been born in England. And so anytime you have a foreign guy, like an English guy or a German, we had a German ex, uh, foreign exchange student. Anytime you have some type of foreigner come in, they're like the god of soccer. That everyone looks to them. So this like coach, this football coach, he was like ignored. The other guy, the assistant coach, who was from England, he was like everyone was looking at him. When this German dude, oh shoot, dude, this German kid, uh, he's a senior. He came to our high school in like the middle of nowhere, Florida, northern Florida. This dude was dominating, man. He scored like he uh, turning kickoff. Everybody around. <laughs> he was well. He was like like super built and everything also, but he would like kick like from kickoff. He would like take a shot from like the midfield, like just past midfield, right after you know, like kickoff, score goals like that, man. This dude was like head and shoulders above everyone. Um, a Spanish foreign exchange student came also. He was like dominating as well. Like any, <laughs> it's just anything about soccer has got to be foreign. And like every, the whole rage was like when you were on a traveling team. The whole rage was, oh, when are we going to go to our camp that's in in uh, in England or in Spain? You know. 
uh, all the kids are like paying three thousand, five thousand dollars to for the to go to like a a camp with a English coach or like an English coach will come to the U.S. and like who's going to go to this camp and learn from this English guy or from the Spaniard dude or whatever. It's all foreign, man. Like if you have a U.S. coach or whatever, like who's this dude, man? What's he doing? I don't think it's yeah. totally the case now, but it it probably still is. Yeah, dude. It's there's. I've I've played football my whole life, and it's like every every now and then when you get players from different countries, man, they're just, they they just dominate the field. Man. It's just like damn. <laughs> it's just how it is, man. Like that's all they grew up playing. Whereas yeah. here, it's like here people maybe played it like at a elementary level, but not not a competitive. Um, I didn't want to get too sidetracked, but I did want to bring up something uh, Balotelli posted on Instagram, and he was saying how he wanted to take football back to Africa, like all the African players to play in Africa. Because he's been dealing with a lot of racism, man. Like he he's Italian, and he gets racist chants thrown against him, man. Yeah. And he was trying to propose an idea of bringing all the African players to Africa and starting their own league and just, you know, doing that. Pretty was that, crazy. Was that an Instagram uh, video or a picture? Uh, it was, it's a, it's a screen. It's like a, I think he, he used like his notes app. He just posted it on his IG, but it's in Italian. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, send it. Uh, I just see a video. And at first, I thought it was like a parody because I saw it on Twitter and and it was it was uh, translated. And I was like, "There's no way he said this," but he was dead serious about it, man. And it's for me, it baffles me how like racism is so still a huge thing in Italy and in in Europe and it's like like, towards their own countrymen dude like it's so crazy yeah I see it he says some simple thoughts for you politicians of the world don't you think that if you haven't been putting your hands on Africa's riches for centuries there would have never been any immigrant from the continent Africa is the most powerful and richest continent on the planet why do people leave it? War, sickness, ignorance, no poverty. And how can Africa be poor if it's the richest country on the planet? Exactly. Everybody knows the answer, but it's just convenient to be quiet and act like nothing is happening, right? In my native country, Italy, they often say Italy to Italians, and it would also be right if African was for Africans. Mm. Oh, there's another one. That was a recent... Uh, recently, yeah. there's another one. This, uh, I think FIFA has done a terrible job handling racism. Uh, because, I mean, before this, this Corona thing was put on halt, there was games literally being stopped because of the fans being so racist, and it was like every week, man, another another player just picked up the ball and started, you know, breaking down and stuff. And I'm like, yo, like how? Like, FIFA needs to really start, like, either taking points away or banning fans from allowing to enter the stadium. Like, 
they really need to put their foot down on this because it's totally unacceptable. And it happens not just in Italy. They've just been like the biggest offender. But I mean, in, in England, you see that. And in Spain, I remember somebody threw a banana at Dani Alves and he picked it up and ate it. Yeah. I was like, it's like, yo, man. There's like, a, it's a lack of diversity. I think that in some of the, oh, like in Italy, in Spain, where the norm is has been the norm for a long time like he says like italy they often say italy to italians so like the u.s the the diversity is so great that people are used to it but in places like italy or even spain when you see somebody different it's like it's not often where you see somebody different and so it's more easy for people to to act that way to be racist and stuff because you don't, you don't see, you don't have like peers that are black, that are Asian, that are Mexican, that are Brazilian, like you do in the United States. Based in the comment says, uh, there's a lot of African countries that get automatic work permits. And that translates to football too. Plus, domestically, most teams like England, France, and Germany call up black people. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at like France's team, bro. <laughs> yeah. France's team that won the World Cup, bro. Everybody's from from Africa. Most players were. It's well, there's like an athleticism to it. Like athleticism is a big part of any sport. But if you can, if you can get an athlete and teach them technique and ball control from when they're a child, then you just like you just like doubled their skill. Sometimes it's hard, man. Sometimes you have torpes and stuff. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. Like a Valotelli, like uh, Germany has plenty has had plenty of. Uh, well, like you you mentioned it, right? Uh, France. Dude, man, they just dominate the talent those oh, players yeah. have. Um, speaking about developing talent, why? So it, there was a video. Oh, it's been twelve years since Gio scored his first goal in Barcelona, and kind of started the whole debate. Like, what is it about our youth players? You know, winning World Cups and having such high potential. Why? Why do we have such trouble developing talent? Um, I said that we—that's our peak. Our peak is like being teenagers. <laughs> that's like the best Mexican you'll get is a teenager. But why do you think that is the issue? Oh, jeez. Maybe I want to say it's like mentality. It's got to be mentality because, like, say, for example, uh, say, say, for example, they, um, uh, the pressure, like the pressure of a geo whenever they grow into older, uh, you know, young, young, your younger kids are able to handle it, but whenever they gets to the spotlight and everyone's looking at it and you're so popular then some people can't handle it and they just crumble. 
that's where Gio, Gio dos Antros came from where he's getting drunk and he's just doing all kinds of crazy stuff and, and, uh, things like that. So that's one, that's the big aspect I think of it. I mean, I think there's a lot going out. Um, I think it's just like the handoff system from the Academy to, you know, first division debut is, is, is definitely ideal. A lot of these players are just playing for the for the academy for the under twenty under twenty three uh, club, and then when it comes to like making their debut, they they get debuted very quickly, and then they kind of get discarded. You know that happened to Chicharito. His first goal was in two thousand six against Necaxa. I remember that game too because I just remember his name. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Chicharito? What the hell? Scoring his debut. Didn't hear from him ever again until 2000. That's fucking crazy. Four years. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think like the Me- okay. There's there's a bunch of stuff. Like the Mexican likes to have fun. The Mexican likes. You've been around Mexicans. If there's a party or if there's something going on or there's a reason to laugh or to make fun of somebody that we're all on, we're all about it, man. And if there's like some fun to be had or whatever, then it's going to be done. And and concentration is not going to be there. Like seriousness is not going to be there. The hunger is not going to be there. Mexico is not like a poor country. There's, you know, a lot of the, the players for the national team might be like, uh, hijos de papi, a lot of them. Um, Oh Yeah. And, and, and that's not the case with like an Argentina or Brazil where you're living in, you're living in poorness, man. You're playing on dirt. You're playing without shoes in Brazil and the favelas and all that stuff. You're playing for your life. And, uh, and, and I've said that before, man, the hunger in South America, the hunger for feeding your family, the hunger for being big pushes you and motivates you and, that's, and, and makes you mentally strong to overcome challenges and to know, no, I, I ain't going and doing that foolishness or partying and doing all that craziness because I'm worried about my career. I'm worried about losing what I got and all this stuff. It's like I, like I mentioned, oh, I think I tweeted that stuff. It's like Rocky Balboa and Rocky three when he was preparing for clever laying with uh, balloons and, and, uh, and like clowns and like a circus going on <laughs> in the gym and stuff. And clever laying was like in his closet or whatever, or in his basement, like doing doing sit-ups from a pull-up bar and all kinds of stuff. And that's the hunger that, you know, we saw the results. Like Clever Lang busted them up. And that's what's needed in the soccer player, man. You can't be some pampered little kid who doesn't know, have a work ethic, who who wants just to get a Ferrari and, and roll around or like a trophies. That's why trophies, man. Trophies could be like the best player in the whole world. But if this dude's like all messing around in the pool and and – and doing all kinds of shenanigans and stuff. And then, you know, you're not going to be taken seriously. Well, another thing too, um, sorry to interrupt, but I just, uh, kind of go for soul girl. It's like the Mexican player gets paid very well. And I think that's the difference too. And the guy, the, uh, he's like the general manager of Leeds United. He's Spanish. And he was uh, being interviewed by 
Iguera, the uh, the old VP of Chivas, and the guy was being straight up. He said that the Mexican player is making thirty percent more than uh, the players in Spain. So, like, you know, when you're a player in Mexico, you're making more money than you would if you were to go abroad. So we we fall to that that level of comfortness, you know. And that's and a, like you said that that kind of curbs the the hunger and the desire and the ambition because you're making good you're making a really good wage. Yeah, you've made it, and people yeah. promote people promote this stuff like all the all the all the Mexicans here in the U.S. speaking English and stuff. They're promoting that stuff when they say, "Oh, MLS to uh, our Liga MX and MLS, they need to unite and all this stuff." And the and all, and they're they're promoting mediocrity. And people are like, no, I think it's a, I think it's a plus side because fans get to see their players up close, and they don't have to travel to Mexico. They get to see them in the U.S. and all this. And everyone else is saying, no, we got to go Libertadores. We need to push ourselves against the better, against the very best in the Americas, and and all of that. Uh, Luis brings up a like this is something I never thought about. I don't think anyone's ever talked about that salaries need to go down <laughs> for Mexican players. Like you mentioned, man, you can make it. You're, you're a Pisadro. You just made it. You, you're, you're set with as far as money playing for Monterrey. So why not? I mean, you're, you're not, you're not going to, to Europe. You're too expensive to go to Europe. Why not go to, you know, make even more money, go to Miami, go to MLS, but you're settling, man. You're settling for money instead of increasing your talent to, to the highest level. I don't I mean, know how that, I don't know I don't know if salaries need to go down, but you go to Europe yeah, easier. Well the thing about the Mexican league is it's a it's a competitive like people don't like we don't give it enough credit. It to me, I might be a little bit biased, but it is definitely a top ten league in the world. Some people don't agree with it, but I think it's number ten in the world because of the level the actual reception of attendance that like the numbers don't lie, man. This is a great league. It's a competitive league. And I would probably say it's one of the top 10 leagues in the world. And the wages are, are, are superior, you know, and, and, uh, I don't blame a, a Mexican player for, for, Hey, you know what? If you can't match my salary, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to stay here and may, I totally understand. There was oh, very yeah. few players. Like, I mean, look at Chicharro. He had to cut his salary by more than half just to go to Sevilla from from West Ham United. You know what I mean, like, yeah, because their uh, Luis's salaries need to go down because they're deals. Okay, so say, so say you're making tons of money. Like, say Pizarro's at at Chivas. He wins a he wins a title and stuff. He goes to Monterrey. There got to be more. Uh, result oriented in their payment system. Like, say he goes to Monterrey. He's their next big signing. What did what did uh, in the league? What did what's his Gallardo? They had Gallardo. They had Pizarro. I don't know who else they got, but uh, like, what did they bring that team? They didn't get no title. They went to uh, Club World Cup, but they didn't get no Liga MX title. So if you don't, if you're not providing results, if you're not proving yourself, man, then then why why you you know the next time you get your re up, that's got to be less, man. If you're not if you're not pulling in results, 
one thing that uh, I got his name. His name is Victor Orta. He's the he's the director of football for Leeds United. And I'll I'll make sure to like link the uh, the interview because it was good. And uh, he was saying that what clubs in Mexico need to do is instead of selling their players for like the you know 10 15 basically getting all the cash up front sell the player at a lower cost but with a with with uh, with like a 15 20% kicker meaning where they get transferred to another club they get some of that money back so just like mm. the way they 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 do deals needs to be different and then they'll be able to export more players and yes, they'll have to wait a little bit longer to get the return on their investment, but it'll be a much larger. Like, imagine if you were to sell uh, the hottest player in, in Liga Mekis, which is uh, like Cesar Montes, for example. Uh, if you were to sell him to, let's say, Ajax for instead of getting seven million for him up front, you sell him for seven. But then with, you know, they get ten. 10% on any future transfer. And then he goes to Ajax, he kills it, and then Juventus comes in and buys 50 million. You know what I mean? Getting 10% yeah. of that, that's the way you need to do business. Mm, yeah. Sounds interesting. And yeah. And and he was in the Iguera, he was he was saying like, "Man, you're praising the Mexican player, but you're also being oh, what's the word? Like you don't have any on your team, so what the hell? And he said, "Oh, here in the championship, because uh, they're in the champ. Leeds are not in the Premier League; they're in the championship, and it's a dogfight. They have a documentary on uh, Amazon Prime. If, if you guys haven't seen it, it's a really good doc. And uh, he's saying that like you can like the these directors are under huge like you know pressure, and they can't afford to take a gamble." on a Mexican player, like 10, 15 million dollars, you know, they just can't take that kind of gamble. And that's why he says he doesn't have any, you know, on his team because they're way too expensive. He says he can get a player from, you know, from Spain or from, from, uh, you know, South America for half the price. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of clubs in that position where they would love to, to buy a player like Macias but they're they don't have they they don't they can't take that uh, I lost you huh I lost you I lost the end of your statement oh I said they would love to take like a they would love to like give give a chance to like a Macias but they they can't afford to, to have that kind of gamble you know because I mean, if you look at if you look at at the at the Mexican player abroad, it's it's brought some inconsistent results. You have had players like Raúl Jiménez, but I mean, if you look at Raúl Jiménez's first transfer, he failed at Atleti, he failed at Benfica, and Wolves was gonna be his last resort, man. And he was able to turn it around, but you know what I mean? It's like a lot of clubs would have would have given up on him. Immediately, you know, and they paid a uh, Atleti paid a lot of money for Raul. You look at players like uh, Pablo Barrera. You know, he went to West Ham, flop, flops. You look at Efraín Juárez. You look at you know Ulises Davila. I mean, you look at a lot of players, young players that showed amazing talent, 
go to Europe and they have a completely different experience. They can't adjust the culture, the food, the the weather, the language barrier. Like they just they shit their pants, man. And that's why the Mexican player has failed to prove its worth. We do have players that go out there and kill it, but we've also had a lot of flop. That's why, you know, it's 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 a risky gamble. And yeah, you gotta be. Yeah, you gotta be mentally tough. You gotta have some intelligence. I'm reminded of uh, uh, Pavel Pardo, and like that dude is smart. He learned the. He, I think he learned the language like really good. Even Massa, Massa was over there, you know, doing well and stuff. So you gotta have like, uh, you gotta have some intelligence, some mental toughness to go over there and just and just take on the challenge, man. It's not gonna be comfort comfortable and all easy, and you're gonna have to work. And that's the whole point of going there is to work and push yourself to be to be better, not to just cruise along and, and semi dominate Liga MX teams and 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 be the high paid player and get in the spotlight and be on the Mexican press on football picante every night and all this stuff. <laughs> Thing you have to realize is uh like if you look at the successful players that killed it in Europe you know, like like you like Pavel Pardo, Osorio Salcido. They were they were mature players. They weren't teenagers. You know what I mean? They had already yeah. established themselves as a club player, and that's one of the things that like a lot of these people, a lot of the fans don't understand. Man, it's like, hey, there's nothing wrong with these players that are their gems or jewels to just establish themselves in their club first, like Macias. I mean, his his season at Leon was amazing, but that was like his first legit season as a professional player, as a starter every single week. Like before that, he wasn't getting consistent minutes. You know what I mean? Mm. And you look at uh like Lines, he established himself at America, and some even say that he could have stayed there even longer before getting exported to Betis. You know, because he's struggling right now over there. A lot of these players don't even have 50 games under their under their belt yet, and we're already trying to export them to Europe. And it's like we don't need to do that. They can have a career in Mexico, and there's nothing wrong with going uh, in your early 20s instead of you know trying to go as a, as a teenager. Yeah, I think even Carlos Vela in one of his interviews admitted to it. Admitted, like I think they they asked him. It might have been the Benny Fellhaber one when they asked him what was your biggest regret or whatever. And he said he wasn't serious as a youth going to Arsenal. He wasn't serious about the game, about his, about playing. Um, and, and that was like, that held him back a little bit. So yeah, there's like a maturity level that you need to have as a, as a young kid going to, to these clubs. And it's, you know, it's, it's a career. Like you're, how, how are you expected to be like, well, maybe back in the day, man, you ain't going to high school. You ain't going to middle school anymore. You're getting out on the farm and you're getting a job and you're working for the family. <laughs> and that's what they're, that's what these kids are pretty much doing, man. They're going to work. They're not going to school anymore to prepa or whatever. They're going to, to some club far away from their home and they're going to work nine to five, you know, <laughs> playing soccer. And, uh, you know, some of these young kids don't have that mentality. It's hard. The 
with the with the mech club to start they need it they need to they need to calm themselves they need to they need to stop over evaluating their players because they're they're making it to the point where no other teams can afford them outside of Mexico like no other team is willing to pay that much for for a player and that's why you saw like Pizarro you know Pizarro left Pachuca to Chivas for like 17 million and the only other team that was willing to buy him for that much was Monterrey and we still don't know how much uh Miami bought him for but it was definitely not 18 million it was probably less Yeah, it's like it's like for in Mexico if you move like in Pisacho's case if you're moving from Pachuca you can't be taking some if you're a promising guy you can't be taking some huge salary you got to be measured and say okay I want to take a huge salary when I go to to Europe and stuff and a lot of things like I was going to say earlier not any ordinary dude should be going to Europe I mean maybe you can try but don't expect like great things like say Pisacho or let's maybe not Pizarro, but yeah, I guess we could say Pizarro. I mean, he's a top, he's a top dude, right? But expecting him to all of a sudden dominate in Europe might not actually happen. More like uh, Efrain Juarez or Pablo Barrera, like you mentioned. Those dudes yeah. definitely weren't gonna, or even Jared Borghetti. I didn't see those dudes like dominate or Kikin Fonseca. Those dudes weren't gonna dominate. Jesus, Kikin Fonseca. <laughs> <laughs> those dudes easily weren't going to be, you know, you could easily predict, okay, they might do good. You know, they might have some good, you know, some good luck and do great or surprise us all, but they're not going to do Jack. Like if you have a top, top player like Raul Jimenez or Chicharito, Chucky, those guys are going to be the ones. Okay. Yes. They're, they're the top dudes. Send them not no mid, mid tier type of talent, which, you know, like a, like a Pulido or Pizarro that, you know, they're going to be iffy. So, you know, it might be a good idea not to even go because you're you're not going <laughs> to it's not going to pan out. You're going to just you're going to just be a, you're going to be like the United States players. Oh, the United States has all these players in Europe. Yeah, they're in like second division or they're not starting for their clubs. It's just like a norm every day in the park for the United States players, man. But Mexicans, yeah. Mexicans want their players to go there to actually do something. Yeah, it's actually not just participate but to be the man. And very few players, in my opinion, have been able to earn that kind of respect. Hugo Sanchez, Rafa Marquez, Javier Hernandez. I, I think Hector Herrera was the captain of Porto before he left to Atleti. These players became essential to the club. They they went they went from participating to being the player that is relied on. And I think a lot of a lot of like there's very few players that have been able to do that. Andres Guardado is another player that comes to mind. Like he's he he carried PSV when he was there. He 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 he's one of the undisputed starters of Real Betis. And that's the thing, man. It's like I'm tired of seeing our players just rot on the bench, man. It's just so frustrating. It's like. Yeah, I don't know that. why that it's like a it's like it's a constant thing, man. It's like why why is Chucky Lozano running on the bench? You know, it's like unacceptable, man. Sometimes what it's a waste. Yeah, sometimes it's luck, like uh, like with Memo Ochoa. Sometimes it's 
yeah, passport, Luis says passports. Um, but a lot of times, like, it's, it always comes back to mentality. Uh, Luis mentions, like, Chicharito. And I said, like, a, not no ordinary, like, not some mid, mid-tier t- uh, type of player. Chicharito could be, like he says, it's the, he's the definition of ordinary. Uh, yeah. I can get that. He was, like, a, you know, the top goal scorer tied with Hurt Gomez. Um, he was a poacher, like uh, Luis says. Um, but what Chicharito had, and we saw it with the national team, is that dude would put in all his effort in playing. He would run. He would do all he could. He had the mentality to go to Manchester, to go to Real Madrid, to go to Europe, and do everything that he did. Like, you know, score goals off of his face. It wasn't because of, you know, all, all of a sudden accident. It was because of his hustle and his effort to where, oh, he was in the right spot. And, you know, good accidents were able to happen where he'd kick the ball off his face for a goal. So, it's the mentality mentality, and then the work effort that gave, you know, an ordinary player in Chicharito to become what he was. And I don't have no problem calling him a legend. Uh, you know, he, he said that when he came back, I just wonder like, when did this, co- this life coach come into his life and like sort of turn in, maybe he was always, he's probably always been that way, like really super high and mighty and offended and, and like getting into battles with everyone on, Dude, oh, no. I did. I mean, I followed this guy's career from Chivas, and I did notice a shift when he joined Madrid. It got to his head, man, and I don't blame him. He was at the biggest club in the world. He was with the best players in the world. You know, he was butt buddies with Cristiano Ronaldo. He even took Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, girl, well, kind of. So, <laughs> like, he it definitely got to his head, and he started to be more of a diva when he got there, uh, on and off the field. He was complaining of, went to the referees anytime he would get fouled. That's where like the La Diva came out of him. And then it got solidified when he went to Leverkusen and became the man. And ever since then, you know, it's been been <laughs> he he changed. You know, his 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 interviews changed. He went from being this this kid that was all about the team and all about I don't care about, you know, individual records. I just want the team to win. I just want the team to win. I just want the team to get three points. It was always about like the team. And then he, his interviews started to be a little bit more. He started to be a little bit more cocky, a little bit more egotistic, and he started to yeah. turn them into therapy sessions. He would start venting, start listening to his haters. But uh, yeah, he gets yeah. too. He gets too. Uh, he gets too emotional, too upset, and uh, yeah, it's good to have. Like I think it's good to have an ego. Like all great players have to have an ego, and even sort of like not look at, look look, at MJ. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> not look at their at their uh at their negative aspects like i think of okay yeah mj is a good example like you saw the you saw the documentary when they talked about scotty pippen when mj was gone scotty pippen was like the man right you 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 are the man you you have that ego and then all of a sudden when the final you know the last minute shot goes to some other dude tony kukoc instead of scotty pippen what are you going to do you have your ego man you got to be and that's like the sort of the sign of a winner it's sort of like it, it could be look has like a you know a bum move to like not go into the game like Scottie Pippen did, and you know they still won the game and stuff like Tony Kukoc hit the shot, but uh, that's sort of like a mentality you got to have. But you can't be like coming to back to like LA guy. When I saw Chicharito in uh, in Houston, like anything that went wrong, he was complaining to his players. He was yelling at his players. He was frustrated, and and that's just like a you know like a whiny. That's the the whiny diva that comes out. You got to be like just. Like keep your emotions because, in check. I mean, think about it. 
you go to the MLS and everybody hates your move. And then you have no excuse anymore. You're, you went from competing for a starting spot to getting that guaranteed starting spot every weekend. And you're in a league that should be easier to score goals. That's your job is to score goals. You're not a defender. You're not a goalie. Your job is to score goals and you don't get a goal on your debut. It's gonna, you know, it's <laughs> like that pressure is. Yeah. And the best thing that probably could have happened to him, this COVID thing, because who knows how long his dry spell could have been. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. And you can't be like coming in thinking, uh, Luis sort of, sort of mentions it. You can't be coming in thinking you're the main dude. Like say if he went to Chivas and he didn't do too well, you imagine, imagine Chicharito getting benched. Like Chivas is stacked. Like say they got all their other players that didn't come through. Ch- a, cha- a stack Chivas with Chicharito and Chicharito doesn't do anything at certain games, like for a few games. You know, bench that dude, man. Imagine Chicharito getting benched. Would he accept that? <laughs> there was there was no guarantee he was going to come in and start. Yeah. Even if he was, because I mean, we had do our our team was stacked, man. With Macias, I mean, it literally like we had to get rid of Pulido because we didn't have room for him because of Macias. So let alone a player like Javier, you know, despite his 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 resume. There was no guarantee for him to get to get that starting position. So that reminds yeah. me. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, you mentioned Pulido, dude. I was watching. Oh, and this this is yeah. Some, how we not talked about this? This is some serious bullying, dude. Him and Pizarro ganging up on Carlos Santos, dude. That is some. I mean, oh. Carlos, Carlos Santos brings it on a little bit. He that dude goes off on people, and he has a thing for Pulido. But those two were like ragging on that dude, man, almost to like. I don't know. I don't remember the exact phrases. It was almost to like a racist dude. It was almost racist against that yeah. dude. So the story is Alan Pulido posted a selfie of him wearing a very expensive uh, mask. It was like Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton and, mask. <laughs> and Pizarro also posted a photo of like the same mask. And of course, all the old heads... <laughs> the boomers. Now, now all these all these old ex players that are on, you know, the the ESPN uh and the Fox of the world, all the all the sports outlets, they start talking shit. <laughs> and uh they got bu- <laughs> they got bullied, bro. <laughs> bro, they were going in on him like, "Oh, look at this guy. He's looking for work. Maybe you should have him mow your lawn or something." Yeah, that was some messed up stuff. Oh, poor guy. He's always getting in, in Twitter wars, man. It's the thing, man. Like I'm on I'm on the I'm on their side, bro, because you see it all the time. You see all these old heads <laughs> coming in, just <laughs> oh, you know, you guys don't have the mentality that we did in, in our days, you know. And it you know, they're always picking shit, talk shit about but you're literally like, they they are literally your paycheck. Because what else are you gonna talk about, man? Like, you guys have to go on these TV shows and 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 review all the matches that happen every every single weekend. And your job is to like criticize these players, but they're literally your your paycheck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, 
I'm on Pulido and Pizarro's side. Is like, hey man, you guys are are retired. You know, you you guys aren't in the game anymore. This is how the game is now. So if you're looking for work, I got a front lawn that's getting long, man. You can. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it, man. I think they I think they do have uh, they do have a point. They both have points. I think Pulido and Pizarro have a point. But also the old dude has a point. And any old dude on any picante show or whatever has every right to rail into these dudes. And they need to be able to handle it. If they can if they can go to war on Twitter with these guys and be mentally okay and not be rustled and stuff and, you know, not, you know, not be able to sleep at night because they're fuming and stewing over, you know, a, you know, a, a jerk store comeback that they want to get on to Carlos Santos, then that's a problem. But if they have fun and, you know, they're like a lot, like Joe Rogan, you hear a lot, he says, don't read the replies on Twitter. If they want to read the replies and Chicharito is known to read replies, if you can do that and you can stay mentally fit and mentally okay and even go back and forth with trolls and stuff like, like Carlos Santos and stuff, then that's fun, man. It's entertainment for all of us fans and stuff. And, but as long as it doesn't affect their, their play on the field and, and things like that, their mentality and stuff. Which it doesn't really matter. They're in both in MLS, so Santos does have Santos does have points on several things, like he says, but <laughs> well, he had like a he put a meme about that thing, right? Oh yeah, it was a like uh it was a dude's like underwear, right? The Louis Vuitton mask, oh. he turned it into a dude's underwear or something. Like a wrestler. Oh, yeah, he turned it he put it on a wrestler's like uh wrestling shorts like a wwf wrestler or whatever <laughs> that was funny <laughs> twitter man it's a young man's game i mean social media is a young man's game so you you gotta be careful you know if you're gonna if you're gonna go guns blazing you better better uh be able to handle the recoil yeah and he's got his fan base i mean he's got his like little uh uh, Pulido haters that support him and stuff probably make him feel better when he gets flamed and stuff. But I might be a minority in this, but I respect the athletes that do all their talking on the field. Like if you think about Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, mm-hmm. you don't see these guys on Twitter, on Instagram, going back and forth with their haters. These guys are too busy working out and training and trying to be the best player in the world, man. It's just like they do all their talking on the field. And yeah. like that's the way it should be, man. Honestly, I have a lot of a lot of these athletes that they spend way too much time on their phones, man. And it's like you literally have one job, you know. You should you should try to like aspire to be like you 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 have such a crazy gift, man. It's like yeah. Instead, you're gonna take a video of yourself playing basketball in your in your backyard on a six foot hoop, and then <laughs> tag tagging the NBA like I'm ready for the NBA, bro. Bella, put the phone down, man. Oh, what is wrong with you, bro? <laughs> that was hilarious, and he knew he was Fucking gonna get flack. Carlos Bella. He knew he was gonna get some flack, but he, I don't. I guess he didn't care. Man, you sounded like a boomer, it's, though. You're sounding like an old, uh, an old. I'm whatever. just saying, bro. Like you can't post a video of yourself dunking on a Fisher Price basketball hoop, <laughs> Fisher Price, and then have the have the balls to tag the NBA and be like, "Yeah, bro, 
I'm ready for the draft, baby. Let's go. And uh, the thing about it, he didn't even break the he didn't break the backboard on that Fisher Price rim, man. <laughs> he didn't even dunk. I think it was a layup or something, bro. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Oh jeez. I swear, Vela and the MLS are like peanut butter and jelly. They they belong to each other. They are the perfect. It's like the perfect relationship, bro. It's like he's good enough where he he he's the best player in the league. He's not even really trying, and he he gets all the perks of of having access to the courtside Lakers and you know what I mean. It's like this is like the dream setup for him for him. He's probably gonna tire there, to be honest. Yeah, see that's that's another example, man. And I I don't get upset, but. Like I see a lot of hate for for Cristiano Ronaldo, for like I guess allegations and past history and stuff like that, whatever. But that dude, like you said, man, I follow that dude just to see him work out and just to see him show, show his results. Unlike a Jurgen Dam type result, that dude, man, shows his shows the results man he'll take off that shirt he'll show the results on his instagram or whatever and you have all these wannabes like pulido like pulling up his shorts trying to show his leg and stuff cristiano ronaldo is like the epitome of all that he's like the the godfather and just the the work effort and and messi's there also man they just sit back quietly and train their hardest every day so that they can perform on the field and then they go out and perform on the field Whereas other dudes, you know, try to pose the same type of image on Instagram and on their, their IG stories and all this stuff just for like the clout and for the likes and all this stuff. And, uh, and other people, you know, don't have to do all that. All their fame and glory comes from doing stuff on the court, on the pitch, like, uh, you know, on the biggest teams in Europe. So I just think that a lot of these players need to have social media manager and they really do they need to have someone that handles all that for them and says hey man this is the image that we have in in uh, for you in mind and we need to keep and adhere to this image of yourself because the more you talk the less you're getting respected javier hernandez if you're out there the more he talks man the less i respect him and it used to be the opposite he used to be he would talk on the field and he would score with his goals and and that's where he did most of his talking but nowadays he's 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 doing the opposite and uh more players need to have these these managers that are looking out for them cuz it's definitely needed uh it's just they need a, th- yeah they need a they need a boomer man they need a they need a boomer dad like chicharo grande and Giovanni, the the dos, dos Santos dad, to go and smack themselves up, smack their kids upside the head, and say, "Man, quit acting like a fool," and uh, and get to get to work and quit playing on that phone, like go and throw, it's, get their phone and yeah. throw it on the floor and crack it, and say, "Get on the court, get on the the pitch, and start working hard instead of messing around on that Instagram." I I watched <laughs> that episode of Naked Humans where he uh, had you know announced his thing to the MLS, and he was having dinner with his sister. And his parents, yeah, and and his parents just look so disappointed. <laughs> well, They're they, like, "Yeah, you you talked a lot, man." It's like I, I didn't really get that. I mean, I, I didn't pay attention, I guess. But when it, on the other time, whenever he called from, uh, where is he at Spain, right? 
Well, whenever, 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 yeah, whenever he called crying to his dad, it was like they were yet, like he was a yes man. I guess you have to be when you're comforting your son and stuff, but it, they were acting like, you know, like a yes man, like, like, you know, and I mean, you're not going to be busting, you're not going to be humiliating your son and making him feel bad in that type of situation, but, um, you're off the camera, he got actual advice. <laughs> I don't think they would though. I don't, I don't think they want to like like he's not his kid at home anymore. He's like a grown man. So, you're not going to necessarily say, well, son, I don't think you should do that. You shouldn't have that. Like there's a certain and and plus he's a superstar. Like Chicharito's a super like imagine having a son that's a superstar. Oh, I can't I can't say that uh like that was a different different I meme, mean, a different the, meme I saw, but <laughs> yeah, like imagine you have your your son this big and your son's yeah. gonna slap you upside the head, not not you, or not not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, you could say out of the three generations, he's been the most successful. Uh, yeah, it's tough. And it's... he he recently lost his grandfather, and he he went on IG live like the next day, and you could tell it like really, really upset him. And yeah, I think he's been quiet ever since. He hasn't really said much. I think he played a uh, uh, e. Uh, e game, I think he's he played for Galaxy FIFA, but we really haven't heard much from him since. Um, if you are gonna do like your whole social media thing, do it like Jurgen Dam, because I swear, bro, I was not a fan of of Jurgen Dam until I started to see his TikTok, and he <laughs> is such a good sport. He is making fun of himself, and he's he's posting these videos of like. He doesn't know how to cross the ball. And uh, I'm like, wow, man, like, good for him. Like, he actually is self-aware. He knows that he sucks. And he's just <laughs> making fun. He's making fun of himself. And it was, dude, like, he has, like, a few TikToks, and they're all, like, really bro. I'm like, wow, this guy, this guy gets it. Yeah, he's like, he's like the, he's like the class clown. He, even before that, man, when he, like, I doubt he, I doubt he did that seriously, man. When he did the Cristiano Ronaldo celebration, and took off his his shirt. I think he knew he knew he knew he was gonna catch flack for that man. But he did that stuff anyway, and uh, and that's just like the clown in him, dude. It's just it's just like the party type of guy that that he was that he is. That's the way you got to approach it. It's like if you can make fun of yourself first, then nobody else can. You know what I mean? Because then yeah. it's not funny. And yeah. I think like uh, uh, players like Chicharo who do the opposite, you know, they respond to haters. It's like, yo man, if you would have just like, you would have just made fun of yourself, like for crying about going to the MLS, everybody would have just been like, ah, ha ha ha. Like that's funny. And then they would have probably like supported him. Instead, he kept like digging himself in a bigger hole. Well, I didn't see, I didn't mean to say I was going to retire. It's the beginning of my retirement. And then it's like, bro, just, you're making it worse, bro. Just, just admit it, make fun of it and move on. Yeah. It's that Dreyfus, that, that's the Dreyfus influence right there. It's not, not letting, not letting down. I, I'd want to just, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to pay, but I would, I would like to pay just to see what that dude says on one of his seminars, man. Just to see, just to see, and like this guy does one TED talk, and all of a sudden he's the guru. Yeah, man. I wonder how much it costs to to go. 
Like, who even does that stuff, man? Who goes to see, like, some type of, like, life seminar? I don't know, man. It's pretty easy to get sucked into those. You know, you read a book from from that person, and then you, oh, they're going to have a cinema, you know? And then you're like, all right, cool, I'm down. <laughs> it's like you kind of got bought into, like, their their uh, their mindset and what they're trying to say to you because you read a book about them or an article and then they happen to be in town. So then you, you know, you cough out money. <sighs> Shoot, man. I'd rather go, go watch Franco Escamilla. <laughs> oh, dude, that guy is so funny. And I hate that. Like I just discovered him, but holy crap, man, that guy's funny as hell. You see, he was, I was telling Ron, he was interviewed by Jose Ramon. Like the other day. Really? Yeah. They were talking about some stuff. They, he, he was saying he's a naco like Cuauhtémoc Blanco. Like he thinks he and Cuauhtémoc would get along and have a good old time because you know, like they're, like they cuss and they, they're, uh, they're. He, he calls himself naco, a naco. <laughs> they're crude. Cuauhtémoc well, like, is the definition of not giving a fuck, dude. That guy. Yeah. When Mexico went to South Africa and they were in quarantine for like 40, 50 days. He was in his hotel room smoking a cigarette like no fucks given, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no fucks given. That's why that dude's like one of my favorite. Just the way he would like uh, against the U.S., against Kobe Jones or whatever player, he would just like get into people's face, bow up into their face, like like do a two for flinching type of like fake jab at him. The Sal Caetano game. All that stuff, man. It's just oh, the, the Honduras game and the Copa. Honduras Ma- game. Copa. When he uh, Oro. he elbowed that player. Yeah, he elbowed that player. That player was sort of like he was legit, awesome man, because he was like kissing in his ear and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. They don't make players like that anymore, man. Yeah, man. People people fold nowadays. These all these zoomers up in their feelings. <laughs> uh before we go there is <laughs> i don't know why i keep talking about geo but they were saying oh is geo uh, a top 50 national team player of all time oh uh, yes that's that's an that's an embarrassment right there to even to even like who even talks about top 50 players like everyone argues about the greatest of all time the greatest that's the top one player like why are we yeah. talking about number fifty, fifty <laughs> or forty nine or forty? Like what? Yeah. As if we have a hundred Pele's and Maradonas in the history of the Mexican national team. You know what I mean? As yeah. if we had that many players to like c- cipher through. I could understand if you're a country like Dina or Brazil, where you've had sh- gener- like generations of of great players, but in Mexico. Shit, man. Yeah, like, oh, you broke through the 50 mark? Man, you are... Like, this not is, saying much. This is a discussion worthy. Like, we got to discuss a, discuss this this topic, man. Top I, I think the problem, the problem is this. Everyone is starting to find out things to talk about, especially the sports outlet. You know, all these, all these people on Twitter, all, like, they're all running out of shit to talk about because there's no, there's no sports going on. So now they're... Every day, there's these stupid pools, man. I'm just like, you know what? 
just just upload some TikTok videos and call it a day, bro. <laughs> yeah. They're bored. Everyone's bored. Even I, through- I will I will say Gio should get more credit than he deserves, you know. He did have when it came to La Selección, he did step up and he's done more for this country than Carlos Vela has. But yeah, he- he's not one of those players that will go down in history. You know, he's not even from in my personal list. He's maybe in the in the twenty twenty fifth position, but he's definitely top ten or fifteen. No, yeah, like all the all the big games would be World Cups, and uh, Geo performed his best feat in a Gold Cup, even though it was an awesome goal and it was against the you know, the top rival in the United States uh, in a clutch moment that just, and it made Howard so mad. That goal is like one of the greats. It's got, I mean, it's got to be one of the greats, but, but it's a gold cup. Yeah, that gold. It's gold cup. <laughs> it's gold cup though. You got to it, put it in it's perspective. It's gold cup. Yeah. Do similar stuff in a world cup. Like the Chucky goal. Now that, uh, I gotta say that beats out Geo's. Like that's in a bigger moment against a huge team. Uh, that's got that's got to beat out the Geo goal, even though it wasn't as spectacular. The Chucky goal against Germany was, you know, that's that's a big goal. It's 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 iconic. It's one of the the most upsetting, probably the most upsetting game in in that in that World Cup. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Gio scored against Holland in the round of 16, and it wasn't his fault that Bioho yeah, took him true. out. But, um, yeah, that Chucky goal is... There's very there's a few few goals in, in just since I was a kid that I remember. Um, that was definitely a special goal. The the goal that Borghetti scored against Italy for me will always be my favorite goal that I saw live oh, in yeah. the World Cup at least. And and you can always like the Chucky the thing with the Chucky goal you can always say uh, if if it's you know really true that that wasn't a top German team <laughs> like I don't like they were, they weren't at their best at that World Cup sort of like they the French champions yeah sort of like the France the France team that uh, oh, Chicharito scored. Yeah scored on and Mexico beat that 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 team was sort of in ruin a little bit um but yeah that that was a you know that was a huge opportunity at the at the time for like Chicharito to score in Mexico to to win that game um and then of course they were eliminated so it's sort of you know downplays it a little bit the same way that Germany was eliminated um but it's just I don't know what it is about the group stage but Mexico never has this problem getting out. And uh, she fall into the same traps after that. You know, the knockout stage is always, it's always been our kryptonite. Whoever. And it will continue to be our kryptonite until we have enough players that are consistently playing against these, these, uh, these elite players, man. Yeah, whoever scores, whoever scores like a game winner in the knockout stages for Mexico to to continue on that that dude is going to be the true <laughs> Mexican legend. And we'll see what happens, you know, because 
with this COVID thing, suspending football, uh, World Cup qualifiers are supposed to start, you know, and we don't know if the World Cup itself is going to get pushed as well. Mm. The only thing that Qatar has going for it is the fact that they were planning on doing it in this in the winter time anyways. But um there's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to hope things work out with this whole corona. Alright, man. Got any last uh comments or things to discuss? Well, um, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about next week because in Mexico there there never fails to be drama and chisme. But uh, I will again thank our listeners for listening to our podcast during these quarantine times. And I'm also going to plug another podcast called Plam Chowder. It's uh, P, not Clam Chowder, Plam Chowder <laughs> Podcast. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's up and running, uh, it's two seasons and it's something that I, I created with my, with my good friends, uh, five years ago and we finally were able to get it up and running. Uh, so yeah, check it out. If you guys just want to listen to some crazy stories. <laughs> is it, is this just general talk or, uh, yeah, really? me and me and my best friend, we swapped have stories uh anywhere from illegal activity to just you know times we got laid and it's just it's all over the place <laughs> and it's pretty entertaining stuff and it's actually pretty awesome to like listen back you know five years ago when we started this thing and and listen to the guests and the stories that we've had and it's just like holy crap man <laughs> all right good plug all right, thanks, uh, Luis. Luis has been an active member of our chat, so thanks to him. And uh, thanks to all listeners out there. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week uh, on the Cantina MX podcast. Have a good evening.